For a guy who moved all day long, Paulie didn't talk to six people. If there was a union problem or, say, a beef in the numbers, then only the top guys could meet with Paulie to discuss the problem. Everything was one-on-one. -on -one. Paulie hated conferences. He didn't want anybody hearing what he said, and he didn't want anybody listening to what he was being told. Hundreds of guys depended on Paulie, and he got a piece of everything they made. It was tribute, just like in the old country, except they were doing it here in America. And all they got from Paulie was protection from other guys looking to rip them off. And that's what it's all about. That's what the FBI could never understand. That what Paulie and the organization does is offer protection for people who can't go to the cops. That's it. That's all it is. They're like the police department for wise guys. Presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the Alright everybody, welcome to episode 235 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am your host, and the place to be, Mr. Jacob Pete, and sitting right across from me, this goomba over here, is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Uh, say hello to the millions. And millions, what the fuck is going on, America? <sighs> Guys, I got some, uh, I got some, got some information that will possibly lead to Hillary Clinton's arrest <laughs> and uh, possibly, you know, just full-on incarceration. So stay tuned uh, till next week. Next week I will reveal that information, that information that will lead to Hillary Clinton's arrest. Um, Are you the new host for fucking InfoWars over here? Uh, folks, uh, you're, you're going to want to Google uh, Hillary Clinton. Slash Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton slash nudes. Um, and, uh... Just look at the whatever the third image is on that, and go ahead and post it on the Art and Jacob Do America. <laughs> look, just look up Hillary Clinton nudes and post those on, on Art and Jacob Do America, the fan group. Uh, I don't care what's on there. I don't care if you get banned. I don't even care if you get shadow banned. Just go ahead and do it, guys. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, next week I will be revealing some information that will lead to her arrest. Um, but before I do that, guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They have the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the hats. They got the swag. They got everything under the sun. Christmas is only a few weeks away now. Yes. Halloween is over. Uh, it's fucking full-on Christmas time. I know Thanksgiving's in the middle, but Chris, like, let's face it, Thanksgiving is just more of an appetizer. It's all, it's all fucking. Warm up. It's it's all Christmas now, dude. It's that season. I don't care if it's still like 92 degrees outside. It's snowing in my mind. Yeah. Uh, and what goes well with snow? Coffee, guys. Go to CavemanCoffee.com. Check it all out. Get some warmth in your belly. Um, type in America at checkout to receive 15% off. Tag yourself drinking the coffee, drinking the hibiscus tea, wearing the sweatpants, wearing the hoodie, wearing the sweat, wearing the hat. Uh, tag us, tag them. It shows that you care. We appreciate it. They appreciate it. And speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you go to SukerApparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch has an array of great merchandise. And like Art was saying, Christmas is coming, and there is nothing better. Once you're past your... I believe like once you're like out of high school or maybe even in high school, there's nothing better than getting like some quality fucking clothes because to me i fucking hate clothes <laughs> what <shop. laughs> i didn't know where you were going with that but okay go ahead yeah quality clothing man. yeah you yeah, know yeah. what i'm saying like 
I need some new socks. You seen that shit? Fucking Jesus rocks yeah. and shit to weddings and shit. Yeah. Go to Sucre Apparel. She hook you up with some quality socks, some Sucre socks, if you will. Uh, head on over there. Enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you ten percent off your entire purchase, which should take care of your taxes and insurance and shipping and whatnot yeah. uh, for all of your loved ones that needs uh, Christmas clothing. But guys, we're not here to talk about sucre socks or filling your belly full of warmth with liquids, preferably coffee. Uh, it could turn into a <laughs> a big cum joke right there. Yeah. But um, no, we're not here to talk about all that stuff. Art, what are we here to talk about today? Guys, we're here to talk about the uh, New York mob. This is a topic that Jacob has kind of thrown out there for a while. It's been it's been on the radar for a while, um, but uh, we're finally doing it. We're finally yes. fucking doing it, guys. It kind of it's surprisingly that we haven't covered it, uh, just because I feel like there's so many like spinoff topics that I feel like this this topic could bring us. I, before we started recording, I was talking about Sammy the Bull Gravano and. How he brought down, you know, the Teflon Don, John Gotti, and like all these fucking stories. Like you can just go down a fucking rabbit hole. Like whole podcasts are just dedicated to like just like mob stories. Right behind me, some of the greatest films that have ever been made, like The Godfather, One, Two, The Untouchables, Goodfellas, Casino, basically every movie directed by Martin Scorsese are about like these crazy mob stories. So hopefully with arts with a Don Arts blessing, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we'll go down further on some of these rabbit holes. But um, today we're just going to kind of give you an overview um, of the mafia because it is a really, really dense topic. If we were to cover everything, I mean, we'd be sitting here for fucking two weeks, probably have uh, 300 episodes down the hole. But um, we're just going to kind of give you a brief synopsis of who is the mafia? How did they start? Why did they start? And what are they doing today kind of thing. So, Art, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's do it, man. Okay, so when you think of the mafia, like, what, what comes to your mind? Um, Slick back hair, Italian food, um, mm. the Sopranos. Sopranos, okay. Um, What's your favorite the Godfather mob movie? Godfather mob movie, huh. That's a good question. Um... That's a very good question. Um, I think probably either either like Goodfellas. I'd probably just go Goodfellas. Mm, that is a fucking great movie. Um, that's maybe. I mean, Quentin Tarantino. A couple of his films might have something. Oh, to say you know about what? It. I didn't even think about Quentin Tarantino movies. Like, I'd probably go Reservoir Dogs. I guess that's a mob movie. Kinda, huh? Um, but if we were talking about like straight up mafia, like Goodfellas, like I think that might be actually my favorite film of all time. And like in doing like research for like this topic, like I kind of went down like that rabbit hole and like uh-huh. that's based upon a fucking true story. And Have you just, ever seen Hooligans? Hooligans. Probably. Who's in that? <laughs> it's, um, who's the dude that played Morpheus? Oh, Lawrence Fishburne? Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a story of, of like black mobsters okay it i i never seen it it looked terrible <laughs> um but i was like nah i don't know you know what else is a really good movie did you have a bronx tale up here yeah i do yeah oh there it is right there a bronx tale is really good that's really good yeah a bronx tale is really good and then what's that one movie um i can't think of a movie uh it's like an damn it it's gonna it's gonna escape me now but yeah I'll think of it later. It'll okay. come to me later. It'll on come up to you because there's a lot of these stories that I'm about to tell that kind of makes its way into cinema. Obviously, The Godfather, you know, that's like the Godfather of like great films and The Godfather, too. And I was looking that up, too. Like, is The Godfather based upon a true story or not? And when you, it, it seems to me up until that point, like 71, 72, like a lot of like the story of the Godfather is kind of like a conglomeration of like shit that we're about to talk about today. So I'll kind of insert like some history in there, but yeah, the Godfather has a lot of fucking like historical context. Like when we're talking about like the American mafia, like even that guy uh, that's in the beginning of the film uh, that's singing at his daughter's uh, wedding, like that, that's basically <laughs> Frank Sinatra's story. Like not to, spoil the godfather anybody hasn't fucking seen it or whatever but yeah like the whole thing about the guy like wanting to get into films and the 
the mob kind of pressured the studio and shit, put a dead horse's head in someone's bed and shit. That's actually how Frank Sinatra got from got into the movie from here to eternity. Did you ever have Miss, uh, Mr. Holmes? Uh, yeah, Mr. Holmes in uh, when you went to BC. Yes, I did. He told us a story about um, about um, I think it's called like um. Never mind. I I totally blinked out, and it's not going to be funny if I don't tell it correctly. Sorry. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so to get those five seconds back, to kind of talk about what the mafia is, uh, the mafia, a.k.a. the Itali- Italian-American mafia, uh, the mob, or Costa Nostra, uh, is uh, basically a, a, a criminal organization based upon, based upon based mainly in New York City, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Buffalo, and the New England area. You'll also find the mob in Chicago, Kansas City, Detroit, Pittsburgh, uh, Miami, uh, various places in Florida, Cleveland, St. Louis, uh, but also Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. They do have a presence. Uh, what does mafia mean? Mafia is actually a Sicilian word that means basically swagger, bravado, uh, Basically, that stereotype, that whole forget about it, like that that whole shit right there, that's basically in a Sicilian word, uh, mafiusu, or the feminine for it, which is mafiusa, which is just like, you know, a, a confident woman or whatever. Uh, that's basically what they're talking about, you know, that 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 that, that, that confident bravado that you see in yeah, a lot yeah, of those yeah. individuals. So that's, that's where that word comes from. Uh, they don't call themselves the mafia. They don't even call themselves the mob. Uh, they call it... Uh, uh, La Cosa Nostra, which basically in Italian uh, means our thing or this thing that we got over here kind of thing. So Yeah, yeah. You know, um, the like the origins of like the whole like the mob thing, mm-hmm. um, they kind of uh, they kind of like started as like a self policing kind of thing, you Correct. know, uh, as they migrated over from from Italy to America and and you know families were very tight and united and they were kind of like um you know kind of picked on uh mm-hmm. society kind of made them you know the scapegoat especially like in, in those times for all the fucking society's problems and shit. um you know italians were kind of viewed as that like that scum of the earth type of thing so they kind of became like police in their own neighborhoods and started to like have these like i don't say gangs but all of a sudden like started to have like these like mobs like like the mobs literally started to like build into their own weaving into their own people power basically yeah yeah because like when they came over like you were saying um it kind of mirrors a lot of what was going on like in 2016 i guess like initially like when you think of like italian immigration you think like oh it's automatically new york but i guess they came to new orleans which made me think back to a previous topic that we did the axe man of new orleans where, you know, a lot of Italian fucking grocers were getting whacked, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And they were bailing on the mafia. But there was a New Orleans newspaper in 1869 uh, called the New Orleans Times, uh, basically saying that Italy, they're not sending their best. Uh, they're sending over nothing but criminals, rapists. Sound familiar from <laughs> somebody it's, we know? <laughs> it's a story as old as time. Yeah. It's like whatever your whatever the scapegoat is at, at the time, whether it be blacks or Mexicans, transgender people, whatever the <laughs> devil is at the time, whatever scares the rich man, mm-hmm. that's the devil. Yeah, and at this time in the late 1800s or the mid-1800s, it was the Italian immigrants. And um, like Art was saying, uh, because of this like hatred towards them or this prejudice towards them, uh, they came over you know, because you know Europe at this time, they were experiencing a lot of famine, uh, Sicily in particular, you know, they were constantly being invaded by different forces and, you know, having all sorts of military problems, uh, getting raped for all their, you know, resources. So they, America was being sold as like, Hey, it's the land of the home of the, the free. And there's so much opportunity. Anybody can go over there and get rich. You know, you go to San Francisco and all of a sudden you're the owner of Levi Strauss and company and shit. Yeah. So a lot of them were, came over with hopes of that happening but when they got here, they were met with by nativists, that's what they were called, that would kind of like blackball them from like, you know, getting jobs, you know, buying property or just basically, you know, even being able to, to, to survive, you know, in this new world. So what they did is that kind of something that they were accustomed to in the old country 
where it's just like, hey, we're going to band together. Um, you know, if uh, somebody is, you know, has a problem in the neighborhood, obviously we can't call the police. Uh, so, you know, we'll get some of our, uh, you know, toughest dudes to go handle the problem or whatever, right? Uh, but with that, though, um, that good nature, that good Samaritan um, mind frame, you get a lot of corruption because obviously there's money to be made in that. And so what ends up happening is uh, it's called the black hand. And we're not talking about an African-American hand here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about that's just called what it was called, where they kind of like extorted, you know, the innocent, where they would kind of make this racket where they would create a problem and then sell you on a solution. And it was basically a problem that didn't exist. Like, hey, this person over here, they're thinking about invading your house and taking all your goods and raping your wife and, you know, kidnapping your children. If you pay me $100 every month, I'll protect you from any of that harm. And so uh, that's where you start to get, like, that mentality, that corruption that creeps in from this generally good mind frame. Damn. Like, um, do you remember that episode of The Officer with that Italian guy selling insurance? <laughs> yeah. That's such a such, – that's my favorite mob movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, – Damn. Yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 that's where like a lot of the basis of like what the mob is known for and like mm -hmm. you know paying your dues and like making sure that if you want to be protected, you want to like make sure that you're you're good with the mob, even if you're just like a mom and pop grocery store. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's and also misinformation. They're ahead of their times. Yeah. They're the fake news, if you will. the original fake yeah. news, if you will. Uh. So kind of the shotgun through this. I mean, again, there's a million topics that. I <laughs> just glazed over with this. Uh, but fast forward to the 1890s all the way up through the 1920s. Uh, there was a gentleman named Paul Kelly who was a boxer and an Italian immigrant uh, who kind of uh, cut his teeth in the New York neighborhood um, doing this. I mean, he was also a boxer, so he, he had a lot of wealth from that, but also, you know, the, the racketeering and extortion that he was doing. But he kind of formed this very influential gang uh, called the Five Points Gang. And the Five Points in New York, uh, gangs of New York is kind of based off of it too. So before like all the Italian immigrants, you, you had the Irish immigrants and you had like the Jewish immigrants. And there was this like place where all the poor went. So you had this like, this pot of fucking, you know, just Irish immigrants and the Jewish immigrants and later on the Italian immigrants, just all these like poverty stricken people basically fighting for territory, you know, trying to make their way and whatnot. And that's kind of like what the gangs in New York is based on, well, based upon. Uh, but Paul Kelly starts the five points gang where he basically recruits a bunch of, you know, New York hoodlums. And a lot of these uh, recruits would end up being really influential gangsters later on. Uh, people like Al Capone. Lucky Luciano, Johnny Torrio, and then Frankie Yale. Uh, and basically he kind of like trains them like in the old way, but kind of kind of gives them like some street mar street smarts as well. Like, hey, this is how you're going to make money here in America by using some of these practices. And this is like where you start to get like that, um, that training basically uh, an organization for the crimes that they're about to commit. That's, you know, that uh the name the lucky luciano character mm -hmm. like it's brilliant obviously al capone is like <laughs> the most notorious most one. notorious one but like lucky luciano in like the new york world like the dude is like a legend in in, in the new york world um definitely a guy that probably deserves his own episode down the line but um definitely um but probably just an interesting guy just an interesting guy f from very humble beginnings to like where where he's at where he where he ended up <laughs> but uh cool guy yeah so cool guy jones so around this time as well the 18th amendment is passed uh january 16th 1919 uh but basically the 18th amendment is uh the prohibition act uh which outlaws the sale of alcohol and liquor throughout the united states so J paul kelly and his five points gang they kind of see this as another opportunity to, you know, smuggle and um, bootleg alcohol because, yes, it was the law of the land, 
but there was still a high demand for it all over America. You know, this is the time of like speakeasies and you know the, that that uh, that uh, stereotypical uh, when you think of the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties with flappers or whatever and whatnot. And the mob was basically supplying all of this liquor, kind of like how like <laughs> like uh, like Narcos now supplies America with all of its illegal drugs. Like the mob was supplying America with all these this illegal. Uh, booze from Canada, from the Caribbean, from France, um, even from Japan. Like they would, you know, get all this stuff in and find ways to market it. And that's how, like, Al Capone uh, in the Chicago outfit, that's how he kind of made his bones as well um, in that world. But um, yeah, it was a great time for prosperity. Again, it's the world before the Great Depression. Uh, but with all this illegal activity came an increase. And, um, you know, murder, I believe like the murder rate jumped up to like 17% because a lot of people, when you see a lot of profit in that, as you'll see, like in the 1980s, like with the crack epidemic, you know, people are going to be fighting over territory or fighting over the right to, you know, you know, smuggle in this booze or sell this, this whiskey to this, uh, this restaurant or this speakeasy, if you will. So you had like this crazy time. I mean, and then like a lot of like early Hollywood films, like the original Scarface, if you will, kind of document this or whatever, the whole like Tommy gun image or whatever, people just mowing each other down. The St. Valentine's Day massacre, if you will, um, was going on. But there was a lot of territory wars. And a lot of it was the Italian gangs, they would team up against like the Irish or the Jewish gangs or whatever. So that they kind of like stuck to their own during this time period. Uh, but at the end of the day, two mob bosses from two rival Italian uh, gangs, uh, and they call this the, and I'm going to butcher the fuck out of this, uh, <laughs> this name. I'm sorry. I'm not Italian, but if they called it the Castellamarisi war of New York, which lasted between 1930 and 1931, uh, between two dons, Joe, the boss Maseria and Salvatore Marazzano. Now you mentioned lucky Luciano. He was actually, um, uh, uh, an underboss under Joe, um, Joe the boss, Maceira. And Joe, he said that he was the, basically, he was the Don of New York. He was the boss of all bosses, which rubbed, you know, a lot of people the wrong way because they were like, hey, I'm making just as much money as you. Uh, why are you trying to dictate over uh, over to us what we're, uh, what we're doing? He kind of see, saw himself as a, like a Mussolini kind of character. And um, this didn't sit well with Lucky Luciano, who was kind of a, which I thought was funny, like he's more of like a progressive person. And um, Joe Maseria was kind of like a more of a conservative person. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't believe in doing any business with, you know, any uh, Irish or any Jewish folks or anybody outside of the Italian uh, culture. And Lucky Luciano thought that this was like a horrible way to do business because it's like, hey, we're missing out on all this great business opportunity. Here you got the Jewish gangs, like they're good at doing stuff that we're not good at. You got the Irish gangs, they're good at doing stuff that we're not good at. And hey, these people over here, they have influence with, you know, politicians. Hey, we could probably need this right now because we're getting a lot of heat on us and whatnot. So he kind of betrays him and covertly um, conspires with uh, Salvatore Maranzano uh, to assassinate um, Maseria. And you see some of this in the Godfather one where Michael, he kills like that cop and the, the Turk mm. in uh, the restaurant where uh, Lucky Luciano, he's eating lunch with his boss. He excuses himself to go to the bathroom and a bunch of people, Bugsy Siegel, who was a major, you know, Jewish gangster at the time and a few other, you know, notable gangsters, uh, you know, basically mow down fucking Joe Masiera, which basically puts Salvatore uh, Maranzano um, as the head of all New York criminal activity. Now, nine months later, Salvatore kind of does the, the fucked up thing as well as he pronounces himself capo de tutti i capi, which basically just translates to boss of all bosses. And again, this didn't sit well with fucking Lucky Luciano or a lot of people because, hey, they're mafiosos. You know, they're, they, they got that bravado. They don't like being told what to do by one guy. And Lucky Luciano came up with this idea. He was like, hey, if we get rid of this mob boss, we can start our own chain and get rid of all these mustache peats, which was like a kind of a a slang word to describe people mm -hmm. from the old country that had like that old, old school conservative way of thought. We can get rid of him and kind of implement our own system. So <laughs> Lucky Luciano, 
he assassinates fucking uh, Salvatore uh, Maranzana, and he starts something what's called uh, the Commission, which was basically the five families of New York plus uh, the families from the Buffalo, one family from Buffalo, as well as Al Capone's Chicago outfit to com- comprise basically this um, this uh, kind of like a, like what corporations have now, kind of a like a, a board members that all have kind of like equal voting say and like what mm-hmm. goes on in the world of underground crime. Yeah, I mean, two things as you were talking that, that just came to mind really quickly. One, going back to the whole prohibition thing and and that whole thing, like how they were running. Basically, the mob was running that whole mm-hmm. that whole outfit. Um, I do think that the uh, the United States government was uh, was because they were aware of that there was some kind of illegal activity going on with it. What they would do is like poison alcohol on purpose. Oh wow! And uh, people were dying from from uh, from alcohol. basically poisoned alcohol on purpose. And the United States um, <laughs> the United States justified it by basically saying, "Well, it's illegal to drink alcohol, so if you're drinking it, then it's kind of on you for drinking it because it's illegal to do it." <laughs> that's so up. that's just a little bit of like dark history in in the United States where they were killing people, but. Fast forwarding to that, you know, one of the things that always sticks out to me, is, you know, the traditional mobster look or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, I don't think it's that much of a stereotype. I don't think it's that much of a stereotype to, to, to this day. Like they looked the part, like whenever these guys were like, you know, the big mob bosses or whatever. Um, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about later on down the line on this topic. But, um, lucky Luciano was not just like the, a guy that was good with people, he like looked the part. He mm-hmm. acted the part. He he like demanded the room when when he walked into a room. Uh, he you know he was a big fur coat kind of guy. Like he yeah. he didn't look like some like random dude off the street. Like he looked the part. Um, and and I I don't want to say like that's like that's like a very like Italian thing. Like Italian people have always been very like fashion oriented i guess fashion forward like you look at like like is gucci italian i assume oh, that, yeah. i assume that they're italian but like all that shit it, like every like italian people just like the co- like the coats and the and the suits and like the whole thing of like being very like fashionable like maybe that's an an old world italian thing i don't i've never been to italy but it looks dope um a cultural thing yeah, yeah more of a cultural thing of like like just being well dressed kind of thing and mm-hmm. like being kind of I don't say over the top but definitely flaunting your like your swagger I guess like well, you got to look at it like this thing. you got to look at it like this cuz I've like entertained that thought too is like is this me being racist against Italians or whatever and you got to think like anybody um that grew up poor you know once you happen upon you know you know large sums of money really quick you kind of you, you, you know, go over the top you got to act a little extra I mean look at Conor McGregor Homeboy was a plumber's assistant on fucking, you know, Irish food stamps and shit. And then all of a sudden, like, the next, within two years, he's, like, got $500 million in his own whiskey that he sells for a billion dollars or whatever. He's walking around, like, in fucking fur coats and fucking dripping fucking hot sauce all over him and shit. I mean, to me, like, like, you see it, like, in rappers as well. Like, they start off looking like fucking Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg just wearing Ben Davises to all of a sudden, like, they got fucking gold teeth in their mouth. Well, it's because fucking now they have money all of a sudden. They don't know what to do with it kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean. So, to quote the great Jay-Z, if you grew up with holes in your sapatos, then, you, <laughs> then you'd be counting. I forgot the rest of the line. But anyways, if you grew up with holes. If you grew up with holes in your shoes, you would be flaunting your money too. Yeah, so I get it, you know. Uh, but basically, Lucky Luciano, he he learns from his mistakes from his elders. And instead of like declaring himself boss of all bosses, he's like, hey, look, I'll be chairman of the board. We're going to do this democratically. And, you know, it's not like a dictatorship because this is why we, this is why we left the old world because Mussolini was over there fucking hanging fucking our people out in the streets and shit. That's why you had like this big wave of Italians coming over during this time frame. He goes, I, I'm not going to be that guy. Every year we're going to vote for who's going to be chairman of the board. And, you know, all the bosses, all the capos, they're going to fucking, you know, come up with who they think is going to be the best person to lead us in the new direction. Um, and basically um, the five families of New York and, you know, the boss from, you know, Buffalo as well as Al Capone from uh, the Chicago outfit uh, they they set kind of the tone for how 
the mafia structure was going to be from that point, from 1931, all the way pretty much to the present time. So when you think about it, the way the structure of uh, the mafia is, is basic. You got the boss. Like, that's the main guy. That's the Vito Corleone of of uh, the family. And then um, right under him is his underboss, which is basically, you know, the vice president. You know, if the boss is assassinated or can't carry out his work anymore or goes to jail, uh, he's the person that takes over. He's, he's, he's the number two lieutenant. And then to the side of him, kind of like the HR person, if you will, is, uh, and I'm going to butcher this fucking name, is a concierge, basically. It's basically um, a trusted advisor. Now, in The Godfather, it's uh, Tom Hagen, which is uh, Vito Corleone's uh, adopted son, who grows up to be like a really good lawyer. Mm -hmm. When Michael Corleone takes over the family, you know, he makes uh, his dad, Vito Corleone, be his concierge. But it's basically somebody that you trust their counsel. Kind Kind of be like that third person to be like, hey, like, am I acting on my emotions? Is this a good way to think? And, you know, he's not necessarily like second or third in charge, but he kind of like exists kind of like as an HR person. Like he's high up in the fucking corporation, but like his job duty is solely to make sure that, hey, the boss isn't doing anything to fuck up the family. And then right underneath the underboss, you have four or five, what they're called, uh, capo, capo regimes, uh, basically capos or uh, captains, if you will. Uh, that are in charge of all sorts of soldiers out in the streets. So, and mind you, these are all made men. And when I mean made men, these are people that cannot be killed unless a boss authorized that act. So they're untouchable. You can't kill these people. So you have all these soldiers all through, you know, all throughout New York or whatever doing basically all the work. These are the dudes that do all the work. And all the, the coppos, they're the ones that deliver the message from the bosses. And this is how the bosses for the longest time didn't go to jail. Nothing ever happened to them because they weren't the ones committing the crimes. And we'll get into that, how that structure kind of gets uh, uh, shaken up. But luckily, Shiano, he comes up with this system because it's a perfect way. It, it's kind of like a motorcycle gang where it's just like when you're a prospect and you want to you want to prove your worth, like you're going to have to do some dirt for this family. You're going to have to show like how down you are for this family. And then you can start going up in the ranks. You can be a capo or eventually an underboss or whatever, and you become even more untouchable at that point. Yeah, I mean, laws were definitely changed on, like, how to go after, like, mob bosses, like, RICO laws and things like that had to be changed later down the line. But mm-hmm. um, definitely a super interesting thing. Um, to go back to that whole, like, fashion thing, like, that's one of the things that the, um, once, the, like, the FBI and the CIA start following and that was like the dead giveaway because it's like, <laughs> yeah. like oh look how this dude's dressed like you know he's he's clearly like flaunting his money like he's not he's not a businessman he's not like regular dude he's not wearing like a fucking regular suit he's like dressed like a fucking like he's flaunting it <laughs> so obviously it was kind of easy he's up for to the, something it here. was pretty easy for the for the, for the FBI to be like this guy is like pointing a big old red flag at himself. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big point of contention, like within like the commission, because you did have guys like you're saying, like Lucky Luciano and stuff. Like they would go out with like the fur coats, hang out with the fucking Marilyn Monroe's, the um, you know, you know, flaunt their wealth, you know, have a you know, fucking the most expensive cars, pull up to fucking a nickel and dime pizzeria and whatnot. It's like, yeah, obviously you're a good fella, you're a fucking wise guy and shit, doing that. But then you also had dudes that were more like low key that was just like, hey. We're, we're just going to stash this money away, help people in the old country, help people, um, you know, struggling on the streets. Because a lot of that, st- that's one thing, too. Like, there was a lot of, like, fucking shady criminal fucking ventures going on with the mafia. But, like, there was a lot of, quote, unquote, good going on as well. There was a lot of money that was being reinvested into the Italian community, you know, for education, uh, housing. Again, this is a time before, like, the New Deal, you know, like, where... Um, FDR, you know, you come up with like, you know, social security and, uh, you know, the unemployment, food stamps and stuff like this is a time before that where it's just like we're talking about that with like Sarah Winchester. She was like one of the richest women in the world and her daughter still dies of malnutrition, you know, you know, investing money into hospitals and stuff being built. So there was a lot of good coming from it, too, with those individuals that Mm -hmm. were a little bit more modest with their money. But you also had like those dudes as well. And that created a lot of contention and a lot of wars that you would see. (laughs) <laughs> because of that because yeah the commission was a democratically run 
uh, entity, but just like our government, you know, they didn't agree a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I mean, like their, their strengths ultimately become their flaws down the line, but like it was a really good plan. Like the mob idea is like a really good idea, but I don't know. I mean, you look at like the way like the mob evolved in the 1970s and like, what's his name? Frank Lucas. Like once Frank Lucas entered the picture and like reinvented the the game altogether Mm -hmm. where it wasn't, it wasn't organized the way a a mob was. I guess he incorporated some of his family members into it as well, but it was definitely not a, and these are young men too. I think Frank Lucas, he was only like 21 when he did what he did. Even lucky Luciano, when he did what he was doing, he was only like 22, 23. Yeah. I, I, I think that that, you know, like, Frank Lucas reinvented the game in a in a in a big way, but man, like, um, the 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 structure was like they were willing to like evolve their structure on on the fly. Some of them were. I don't want to say they were, but most most of them weren't actually. But some were willing to to evolve like on the spot as like as the FBI got on their tails, like maybe don't dress this flamboyant, like <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe no fur coats kind of thing. And I mean, that's the plot of fucking Goodfellas at the end. Like once they have like that big heist and all these dudes start flaunting their wealth, fucking Robert De Niro's character starts like whacking people, you know, not whacking them off, <laughs> you know, yeah. whacking no, them. No one was thinking that, Jacob. <laughs> no, I was going to say <laughs> whacking them off, but like, yeah, he's oh. whacking them to um, <laughs> Robert De Niro. I just put a penis in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways um yeah so the commission uh, was very successful as well because they <laughs> implemented something called omerta um now any you know lamb of god fans uh out there uh, but omerta is basically is like this uh code of silence uh that you have to fucking an oath that you have to take once you become a made man and it's a pretty brutal ritual i guess like uh i was listening to um to Sammy the Bull Gravano talk about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess you got to, like, slice your hand and then, like, drop, like, blood all over, like, this... Uh, uh, That's sp- like working at McDonald's, dude. <laughs> Isn't that the story? <laughs> <laughs> you got to, like, drip your blood all over a fucking saint. And then, like, uh, you take this oath and then, like, they burn the saint. And, like, that's supposed to, like, uh, represent, like, your word. Like, you don't talk to anybody. Like, obviously, you're not talking to police. You're not talking to politicians or whatever. But you're also, like, when you're out in public, like, you're not talking, like, let's say you know somebody from, like, the fucking uh, Gambino family over here. You're over at McDonald's or whatever, right? Yeah. You can't acknowledge them because that would tip off the authorities. Like, hey, these guys know each other and shit. Like, you, this, the code of science runs, like, that deep. Like, if you're out in public and you see fucking... Hey yo yo, there's Tommy over there, man. I you know I want to see what's going on. With you can't talk to him because that would tip off the authorities. That like, oh shit, yeah. something's going on between these two. There's some kind of connection. So that that's how deep that code of silence ran. Yeah, I, I've heard the Lamb of God song, <laughs> where he basically does a little speech at the beginning. Well, yeah, very cool song. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I I didn't really look into that much in in the the Amerta code of honor or whatever but code of silence code of silence pretty cool stuff though yeah but eventually prohibition gets reversed in 1933 uh which kind of fucks up like the main you know revenue stream for uh you know the mob so you know they get into things um you know like gambling playing the numbers you know fixing games fixing boxing matches um uh, infiltrating the big one was infiltrating like labor unions uh, basically, you know, construction, demolition, waste management, trucking, uh, the docks, obviously, in New York and, you know, Florida and whatnot, um, and also, like, the garment industry as well. So um, you you infiltrate the unions. Yeah. Two things happen. is Basically, you have control over pretty much the entire nation's workforce. And the big one was, like, the Teamsters Union. Yeah. And... Um, you know the whole Jimmy Hoffa thing—that's a topic unto itself and whatnot. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's that whole like I hear you paint houses book. Yeah, and um, the Irishman. The Irishman. Yeah, that book too. Um, but it's yeah, the same book. It's based on the I hear you paint houses. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you ha- not only do you control the whole American workforce, but you also have access to their health and pension funds, which opens up not millions but billions, if not trillions of dollars that they have access to. So, I mean, twofold, 
they kind of control the country from the 30s all the way up until like the early 80s through labor unions. Yeah, that that's a big one. So like that's that was the game changer. Like the fact that they're involved in in uh in labor unions in the possible murder of Jimmy Hoffa. I hear that he's buried in the Yankee Stadium, the original Yankee Stadium. I heard he's buried in uh the New York Giants Stadium. The new one? The old one. Oh, I don't know where they used to play. I know they play in the Meadowlands now, but um Man, that that shit's nuts. Like those those tales of like weird shit like that. I'm sure. Did you ever watch that movie, uh, A Very Violent Year? No. So, A Very Violent Year is not a very violent movie, but um, it's like one of those movies that's it's very heady in the sense that like. Oh, is it the one about like the waste management thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 when, yeah. I think when I first watched it, I was like, "This is lame," and then I, the more I thought about it, I was like, "No, wait, that's pretty good." Like that's actually probably the most accurate like mobster movie I think I've ever seen, mm-hmm. where it's like. Yeah, it was a lot of that. Like, it was a lot of just controlling, like, waste management, which sounds boring on paper, but the reality is, like, this is a big, yeah. big role. If you don't do what we need you to do, then we're telling all of our workers to go on strike. And not only are you still going to have to pay them because they're union workers, but you're going to have a bunch of fucking trash all over the fucking city. Like, do you want that as a fucking elected leader? No, then you better bend to our will. And that's a big thing, too, like, with uh, um, construction Basically, from like the 30s all the way up until the early 80s, nothing got built in New York or New Jersey or even fucking uh, New England without like the mob's approval. Like the I was watching uh, Michael Franchese's his YouTube page. Uh, he was of um, the son of uh, the head of the Colombo family, and he was talking about that too. One of his videos was like, "Was Donald Trump involved in the mob?" That's like one of those things too, like when you you know player hate on fucking Donald Trump, like I'm guilty of it too. Where she's like, oh, he was he had mob ties. And he goes, no, like I was there in New York during that time period. Donald Trump was one of the uh, developers who had to have dealings with the mob. So basically, he was kind of like the mob's bitch, if you will. And he was the mob was using his money to get stuff built for them. So it was kind of like one of those power plays as well. Like we're eventually the most powerful man in the, in in the world, you know, for four years, uh, he was basically uh, a puppet for the mob. You know, it was just like, Hey, we're going to use your billions of dollars to build these fucking buildings over here. We're going to staff them with our people and we're going to get a percentage of everything that comes out of that building. And if you yeah. don't whack, you're, you're, you're sitting next to Jimmy Hoffa and fucking, uh, the giant stadium and shit. Man, um, I always forget about Donald Trump's like real estate investments and like how bad they usually turn out. Um, but good for good for that's the coolest thing that I think Donald Trump's ever done is to be involved <laughs> in the mob. Like that, you got my boat. Like <laughs> that's cool. Is this a Trump twenty four? <laughs> Trump Trump twenty four. <laughs> fuck, fuck Biden. You know what I just heard the other day. Um, my coworker was telling me about like the like it's a like let's go Brandon or something like that. Oh yeah. How it's supposed to sound like fuck Joe Biden. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh, it's so funny. And I was thinking like, first of all, I don't hear it. Like I, I don't hear let's it. Go I thought about I thought about it and I was like, I don't hear it. Like I don't, yeah, I don't hear, hear it. Either. I don't hear it. I tried hearing it and I was like, No, don't hear it. Um and then I was like and then second of all, it's not funny. Like no. it's like everything about it was like not good i was like dude this is like but then i thought about it even like you know like in a more meta (laughs) (laughs) more meta way of thinking and i was like well this is the same group of people that think that um that dude with the pop the the dude with the puppet is like oh yeah yeah and that jfk is coming back to life jfk (laughs) jr (laughs) the jfk jr one i was like dude if i ever hope that i was wrong about something i hope i'm wrong about this and i hope he's alive i was like i was willing to like you know, like, have you seen that meme where it's like, it's like Jesus Christ and he's walking down a hall and all these like Marvel superheroes are like bowing to him. That <laughs> yeah. that, that was going to be me. Like put my face on every single Marvel superhero. <laughs> and that was going to be like JFK Jr. <laughs> walking down the hall. Or I was like, this, or and, and Donald Trump together holding hands. Because uh, that would have been badass. Yeah. Um, but um but it wasn't. It was not meant to be. No, some things. <laughs> some things are just too good to be true. Yeah. Uh, one thing that was too good to be true: uh, Las Vegas. Um, 
if I know Art not a fan of Las Vegas, but anybody that goes to Las Vegas or is planning to go to Vegas, I highly recommend going to the Mob Museum. It's it's one of the best museums I've ever been to. It was actually like a former courthouse. Uh, but basically, Las Vegas was another um, opportunity for the mob during this time frame. So from like nineteen from the nineteen forties all the way up through like the seventies. Uh, they were using like all these pension funds and healthcare funds that they were using from the unions to basically build Las Vegas. Like the, Las Vegas was fucking the was mob country, if you will. It was oh, free yeah, reign. De- definitely. I mean, the 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 two big M's they built it. You know, like yeah. the Mormons and the mobs. Like That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them owned the entire state by themselves, and like the other one was you know owning the West Coast of the United States and uniting those two powers that be to like to like grow to like levels unseen it was mm-hmm. it was pretty unique and then one too like in 1952 they were actually trying to build make cuba kind of like the east coast version of las vegas but a dude named fidel castro came in and kind of like cut all that shit out that was that was pretty terrible i mean like Basically, Cubans were being prostituted, and I don't want to make mob like sound like they're really like the cool guys or whatever. Like, they were sex trafficking before sex trafficking. Like, Port Puerto Rico, I'm sorry, Cuba mm-hmm. was like on the forefront of like women just being sex trafficked to like rich wealthy dudes from America, and I think that's why like Fidel Castro was so popular. And I know all the conservative people were like, Fidel Castro was a bad guy, all this shit, like. <laughs> It's like that's a topic right there. That huh? is a topic, and I don't mean to like be all pro Fidel Castro, but like you look at the reality is like America was doing nothing. Your capitalists, like like heroes here, mm-hmm. were not doing anything to like protect this small like island country from prostitution, from becoming like a wasteland, to becoming like basically the illegal version of of. Uh, of Las Vegas. And the irony of all that is, too, so in the beginning of this episode, I was talking about how Sicily, a lot of fucking Sicilians and Italians, they were fleeing that area, you know, because they were being invaded. You know, they were getting raped and taken advantage of of their natural resources. Same thing with Cuba. You know, a lot of their sugar canes, a lot of their natural resources were being taken. So the wealth of that country was being ripped from their hands basically to fund the mob or to fund politicians that were influenced by the mob. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. I mean, mob- say what you will about Fidel Castro. I'm not saying he's a good guy either, but you know, let's go, Brandon. I'm not saying he's a. <laughs> I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm just saying, the. I think his pros outweigh his cons. I think that, I think that he gets a bad rap. I feel like it's like if all you heard of when when you heard of, of Joe Biden were people from Missouri. Then you would probably be like, dude, this fucking Joe Biden's the devil. He's a sniffing According monster. According to every person I've met in Missouri and Bakersfield, California, <laughs> he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he people were saying, "Let's go, Brandon." And I don't even know what that that doesn't even mean anything to me. <laughs> and but. Then they gave me a big and rich CD. <laughs> yeah, apparently we need to save horses and like ride cowboys, and they don't <laughs> specify gender, so I guess they're like pro gay marriage now. <laughs> You see Jesus out there, like, just fucking <laughs> grinding <on> <laughs> grinding on a cowboy and being like, what, dude? It's a country lifestyle. <laughs> why can't, can't I quit? Why can't I quit you? Yeah, it's like, dude, you can't cancel me, dude. <laughs> Who's going to cancel me? <laughs> no one can cancel me. And that's exactly what the mob said. No one can cancel us <laughs> because at this time, the FBI... J. Edgar Coover, the leader of the fucking FBI, wouldn't even acknowledge the existence of the mob. So when we talk about conspiracies, yeah, this is a real conspiracy here where there was just like there was all this fucking illegal activity. There was sex trafficking out of Cuba. There was all sorts of like crazy Las Vegas shit going on in Nevada, New York, all this shit, right? And the FBI was kind of turning the other cheek to it. It was like, no, dude, that shit doesn't exist, dude. Like, that, that's some QAnon yeah. shit. That's some JFK coming back to so, life shit. Speaking of JFK and the whole presidential ties, the big one, JFK having mob ties is, mm-hmm. is a big one. Um, now now that I remember, like, the whole, um, there's, have you heard of uh, Frankenterrorism? Mm-mm. It's this whole thing of like how politicians would get elected back in the day. Uh-huh. People said that it had to do with uh, Frank Sinatra, and that's why it was named that. But I guess that that's not one hundred percent true. 
but basically it was um you know there's like boating like boating boots or whatever oh, okay or yeah, like yeah. Oh, not not boating boots, but like boating, but like people would call and be like, "Who are you boating for?" Blah, 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 oh, blah. poles, yeah, yeah, like just boating poles. Uh, so what they would do is do a lot of these, like, well, um, let's just say you work for McDonald's, right? This is teenage Jacob, and there's ba, like, ba, ba, "Hey guys, ba, ba. just want to tell you guys, um, you guys need to show proof that you voted for uh, Joe Biden, or else you don't have a job here at McDonald's." And that was kind of like a like a mobster type of thing mm-hmm. what they would do. Uh, which later on became illegal. Like it, it's extremely illegal. Like, oh yeah, you, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Diaz actually was talking about that shit too um, before uh, he got canceled, I guess. Uh, but he was talking about yeah, like again or for the whole like rape. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go back in time before like any like canceling of Joey Diaz ever occurred. But he used to t- he was talking about that too. He's like, let me t- Joe Rogan, let me tell you something, okay? I can see how a fucking election could get rigged. And back in New Jersey, I used to take bags of fucking votes. I used to just throw them off the harbor and shit for fucking Lukey, uh, little Lukey uh, left eye over there, okay? You know what? And he gave me fucking $20 and a chicken sandwich. But you're absolutely right. Even Joey Diaz will attest to your claim here. Yeah, no, it's a very real thing. and It, it became like... Uh, it's obviously extremely illegal and you can look out, but there's still like versions of that out today where it's like, like, yeah, I don't know, like unions, like police unions tend to like, oh, we're, we're siding with this person or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's like, oh man, that just feels like the teacher's union mm. is going to vote for whatever. And it's like, and oh And it's on man. both sides too. It's not just. Oh one. yeah. No, definitely. It, uh, there's no like Joe Biden. Like I heard something today about, um, it was the most like, crazy bullshit so like you know how like here in california um i don't know not parole officers but like the the security guards at the prisons oh correctional officers. correctional officers like they don't want to get vaccinated like there's this whole thing i don't know if you've been following this but mm-hmm. correctional officers basically don't want to get vaccinated so they're like we're gonna all quit and who's gonna guard your prisons if we all quit and so like um um who's their governor here uh, <laughs> gavin newsom. gavin newsom who's like a fucking coward he's like Oh well, like I'm gonna. The exception is is uh, is prison workers. So it's like, oh my god, dude, please, <laughs> please go away. Like, anyways, um, so there is some of that where it's just like I'm siding with the prison workers now. Like, mm-hmm. and that was don't... a big thing with the fucking the mob too. Like, with their union oh, ties yeah, and shit. Yeah. yeah, this is this all feels very like mobbish. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh man. Mm-hmm. politicians just bending the knee towards whatever it causes. And that was a big thing too. And like you were saying, like with JFK, and I think it was more or less the Irish mob than like the Italian mob. Uh, but yeah, like there was some things going on with like daddy Kennedy or whatever that helped JFK. I think even like a lot of like ballot stuffing and shit happened or whatever too. I don't know. That's a topic. Again, yeah. there's a million topics that we can uh, pivot off to, but to kind of go back on like one of your, um, uh, one of the things that you were talking about, like with uh, them being extra and, you know, obviously flaunting their your funds or whatever. There was a thing called Appalachia that happened in 1957 uh, where New York State police officers, they saw, like, all these, like, really fancy cars with a bunch of, like, out-of-state license plates meeting at, like, this, like, very, like, outspoken, you know, mob boss's house. And it was basically a meeting of, like, all these mob bosses. And they call it Appalachians. Appalachia, because it happened in Appalachia, New York, and uh, basically, this forced the government to recognize that, like, oh, dude, there is like an underground, you know, criminal conspiracy here. Like, there is actually like organized crime and that is going on. There is bosses of families that are meeting to discuss how are they going to, uh, you know, uh, you know, control the labor unions, you know, control drugs and trafficking and shit like that or whatever. And it opened up this thing called the Kofer hearings um, throughout the 1950s. Uh, where they had like a series of like Senate hearings, kind of similar to like in The Godfather Two, like where you know Michael goes on trial and has to be forced about like the th- the conspiracy theory of fucking the Costa Nostra or the mob or whatever. And basically, they all kind of fucking denied it, mm. but it kind of put it like that seed into like the American mind's head that like, oh, th- this is like a real thing. Like, yeah, everybody in New York and New Jersey, like they kind of knew about that. But, like, people, like, in Missouri and fucking Bakersfield, California, had nothing to do with, like, the mob. Kind of get, like, these seeds of, like, oh, shit, like, 
that shit is that a real thing like when we talk about conspiracy theories like this was very much like a conspiracy theory of the time like in the 50s like it was comparable to like QAnon like is this real or is this just a bunch of bullshit to explain like poor leadership in government dang uh there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there that I don't know that much about this is definitely one that I mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, uh, shotgun this a little bit further. In 1963, you get your first rat, uh, Joe Valachi, uh, who actually is the first uh, person to turn state evidence, is what they call it. It's like when they 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 break their omerta, basically. And they, he talks to the Senate. He has a bunch of uh, Senate hearings. And this is like the, the point where you get a lot of uh, that fucking mafia language is from uh, these hearings from Joe Valachi. With you know you hear, like you first hear about La Cosa Nostra, uh, where he he gives like details about everything that I just talked about, like the beginnings of the mob, you know, from Sicily. Mm-hmm. The reason Jacob's just out here spilling the beans. <laughs> I'm a fucking rat, if you will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like everything, uh, even from like the five points to the commission, like he basically lays it all out on the line to the Senate, uh, which begins the government to be more active, and the FBI starts to assign what was it like 20 FBI agents in each city to basically track down, you know, mobsters document what they were doing. And basically in 1970, you mentioned it before, uh, they, st- uh, they sign into law and Nixon signs it into law before, uh, he resigns, uh, what's called the Rico act, which eventually takes the mob down as well. Yeah. I mean the Rico act, if you want to elaborate on it a little more is basically like, you can take down an entire crime family if you have evidence of like you know a lower player in the mob, mm-hmm. and basically take down the whole ladder of. For the most part, the the whole the whole every dude up the ladder, but mm-hmm. uh, it can. I mean, you have to have some kind of evidence that even links it to those guys. But for the but it is it is it is still in practice today. Like it's still a, a law today that that you know that's how they that's how they took down Walt Disney. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but the RICO Act, the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, which basically, like Art was saying, is before uh, when Luca Luciano set up like the mob uh, hierarchy, the mob bu- bosses, the underbosses, the consiglieries, the capos, and maybe even some of the soldiers will kind of be immune from like any uh, prosecution because the actual guy, you know, that was carrying out the crime, you know, the murder, if you will. Or let's say the bank heist or, uh, you know, roughing up the fucking, uh, you know, the bakery owner, you know, being the axe man and fucking up, you know, a grocer or whatever. It would just be that low level guy, which was like somebody that was just easily replaceable, like somebody that was just willing to do dirt, you know, for, you know, the, the Colombo family or whatnot. Right. And the boss would go on, still collect like his tribute and shit or whatever. Uh, but what the Rico Act did was just like, oh, OK, we can get the mob boss in this murder trial as well, because he's the one that actually okayed the, the act of, you know, killing that person or uh, committing that crime or, you know, running that racket because he was the person that basically had the ultimate responsibility of it before when lucky Luciano set it up, that wasn't the case. But now since 1970, that was the case. And that's when like in 1985 Mm -hmm. where a very young, uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, before the fucking shoe polish was like dude I was, just, I, I was thinking the same thing dude the <laughs> right shoe here, polish yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Boozer remember that Carlos Boozer <laughs> where he like painted with shoe polished his head yeah I'm yeah. surprised that shit didn't melt off during a game and shit yeah, dude. dude somebody google right now like Jacob inserts uh, Carlos Boozer right here with the, with the shoe polish head yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's how Giuliani gets his uh, fucking namesake is uh, he basically takes down the entire five families of New York using the RICO Act, um, yeah. going each after every single one of them. So again, like I said, a very young Giuliani. Uh, <laughs> he had more of his marbles and shit. Uh, but from that point forward, from 85, I mean, you just see like the mob, like all of a sudden be the most influential organization in the whole country and possibly the world. Like we didn't even talk about like the Italian mafia or any of the other world mafias or whatever. But since then, like it just basically almost goes uh, extinct until September 11th when the FBI kind of like reshifts all of its focus to like um, terrorism. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't, 
it wasn't what it used to be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think of something that was like really feared and then not so feared, like cults. Mm-hmm. Cults w- took, took, took president for a while. Serial killers, we're not investing as much time and effort into serial killers as we used to because it seems like, eh, local police pretty much got it. There's mm-hmm. DNA now. Like, oh, we have to find some jizz. And it's like, all right, dude. <laughs> this dude clearly was saving a horse and fucking a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> We found the jizz. We 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 found your jizz, uh, Jesus. You're, you're, you're not you're not that clever, but um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the obviously terrorism is a bigger fear today than it than um than the, Tony than, the, than the mob, and a lot of it has to do with like um, unions have become pretty organized, the, the more organized now than they were like sixty years ago, seventy years ago, um. Las Vegas has become its own entity. Mm-hmm. Like the corporations run Las Vegas now. Like Correct. the mob, the Mormons, they've all been like pushed out and it's like fucking Verizon owns this, like or whatever. Like I'm, MGA Grand, like is like God here. Like, yeah. like <laughs> bow down to us. And it's just like, like corporations are kind of the new mob, I guess. Like you're absolutely right. Um, but it's like, but, but the family elements are gone. Like now it's just like the romantic. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's all gone. Now it's like some like, you know, like random, like rich dude that like covers in his feces and like sprinkles gold in it and sells it on eBay or something. Mm-hmm. So it's just a like, crazy, like bullshit. Like not like John Bezos, like rich. Cause that's a whole different level of rich, but this is like, weirdo like you know you ever see like those ufc fights and there's like some dude and he's got like five rings and like gold sunglasses in the front row it's like what does that guy do for a living dude that, that's a, to go back to vegas that's like 90 percent of vegas right there it's like yeah that dude or like what's that one movie oceans 11 yep and they go to that old man's house and he's like this poolside all the time and mm-hmm. he's just like big old gold sunglasses and i'm like bathrobe from versace yeah like that guy probably owns the lucky lady casino not Mm -hmm. the most popular one but still doing pretty well (laughs) yeah enough to have a pool boy uh but yeah i mean that's in a nutshell if you will that's the Mm -hmm. american the rise and fall of the american mafia obviously like i missed a lot of things like the whole drug thing there was called something called the pizza connection like where they finally oh dude i i ate pizza in preparation for this episode i yeah. just wanted to get a little more like that italian is some, vibe that is some christian bale shit right yeah, there yeah dude i got all meta with it yeah. <laughs> but basically like they were you know smuggling fucking heroin into the country via like fucking uh tomato sauce cans and like little pizzerias all over fucking new york and shit all of that shit that I probably missed or stuff that I didn't really elaborate on will probably be topics like somewhere down the line, but kind of like a fucking college class, like where you have to take the prerequisites class. I feel like we had to do like a general summary of the mafia before we get into some of those topics. Absolutely, man. Like it's always good to just, uh, get to know the characters before you dive into, you know, this is the cliff notes. You know, the cliff notes start with like, here's a list of the characters we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Please do not get lost. That's basically <laughs> it. Pretty and, much. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, w- once again, guys, I just want to remind you guys next week, I'm going to be putting some information out there that might lead to the arrest <laughs> of uh Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's some pretty deep shit that I found on the, on the dark web on, uh, I actually found it on, on MySpace. Nobody uses that anymore. Dude, but that's where all smart. That's where all like that's where the mobs at right now. All, all the like fucking like dark web players or whatever. Like my my dark name name is like Ghost or something. Ghost zero zero seven or something like that. And like I have that fucking anonymous mask as my profile picture. <laughs> that's me on Facebook, dude. You're leaning um, into that character. But huh? um, but I'm definitely I have that information. I'm ready to spill it next week. So next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so with that said, Art, do you have anything else? Tell your mommy your booboo too. Shout out to Jackman. Shout out to Warren. Shout out to the Podbelly Network. Shout out to um, um, Eddie in his podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, he just had a. Uh, yeah, Brand, from, Brand Brand from Mastodon. Yeah, the drummer from Mastodon was I, on his podcast. What did you think of the new Mastodon album? It was okay. Dang, same thing. I was like, this is. I don't want to say it was forgettable, but I was like. This is kind of bland. It felt like bland Mastodon. I'm, yeah. I need to give it more listens, but this felt like bland Mastodon. Mind you, I've only listened again. Mind you, only listened to it once. Very distracted. Very tired at four o'clock in the morning. So I'll have to give it a proper listen you know, throughout my lifetime. But I mean, like other Mastodon CDs, they fucking some of them have grown on me. Yeah, but this one, this one just felt 
bland. I went for I went for a bike ride and I was like, oh, this is kind of boring, and I had to change the album. Mm-hmm. I know Ben really liked it, but then what does Ben like? That's true. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> With that said, everybody, if you want to get us on the social medias, if you are Sammy the Bull, Vergano, Gravano, I'm sorry, or Michael Franchise, and you're listening to this, or you're watching this on YouTube, because we do have a YouTube page, guys, and I do finally, finally, the Lord has blessed, the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus Harold Christ. Jesus Harold Christ Day Saints. has blessed me with a MacBook Pro, and I am going to be dabbling in fucking better video editing and all that good shit so it's not basic looking so yeah if you're Michael Franchisi or fucking Samuel Bulbergano and you're watching this or whatever and you want to get at us guys head on over to Art and Jacob Do America on all the social medias except for Twitter we are at Art and Jacob Do A1 uh, if you want to support us in any which way possible guys I highly recommend going to uh, Patreon that's patreon.com slash Art Jacob Do America where every single week we give you a bonus episode uh, for pledging to our Patreon and like I say, nine times out of ten, those episodes are more fire than the actual episodes that you get for free every single week. Uh, Jesus Gutierrez, a new Patreon. I, I couldn't th- remember his name. I was like, it can't be Jesus because there's already a Jesus. <laughs> I was like, what was it? Like Jerusalem? I can't remember his name. <laughs> Jerusalem Gutierrez. <laughs> Jerusalem Gutierrez, a $10 Patreon. Uh, he, he can attest that uh, nine times out of ten, those episodes are better. So shout out to him and the Lord's work that he is doing. Uh, guys, head on over to artjacobdoamerica.com where Art has provided links to our merch store at tpublic.com. I got to update that website. That website will be updated when I also release that Hillary Clinton information. That's where you will release it first. But then on this podcast. Yes, there you go. Uh, but head on over <laughs> there where we have links to the merch store. And like I say, guys, it's not so much to help us monetarily, uh, but more or less to be kind of like a walking billboard to spread the good word of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. So head on over there. Christmas is coming. Get your loved ones an Art and Jacob Do America t-shirt. Half of them are designed by the great and powerful Nicole Smith. So go over there. Um, but other than that, oh yeah, we are, like Art said, we are members of the Podbelly Network. So get on, go on over there. Check out some other great podcasts. Sofa King probably delves into a lot of mob topics over there. They're like The Simpsons. They've done everything. So check them out. Like Art was saying, my buddy Eddie at the RRBG podcast for his fifth anniversary of his podcast. We'll probably just do fucking JFK conspiracies for our fifth anniversary. This motherfucker's got the fucking drummer for goddamn Mastodon on his podcast for his fifth anniversary podcast. So check him out over there. But other than that, Art, I am tired. I am hungry. And I got to go take a poop. So with that said, you got anything else, my guy? Uh, take my boo boo two shells. Hillary Clinton, you're going down. <laughs> Goodbye and good night. I just took a penis in my. <laughs> <laughs>